Hello, and welcome to another edition of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard here alongside none other than the great John Tesh. John, how you doing? I'm doing well. I, I, I want to apologize to everybody because I, you know, I feel like we were out doing concerts and people are saying, hey, we love your podcast, but uh, we've just been, there's a lot of business stuff that's been going on. And uh, we've just been, it's, it's on the weak link. It's been bad that we haven't done these podcasts, but I enjoy doing it. So I'm, I'm glad we're back in. And but please accept my personal apology. <laughs> but you said we're doing concerts. So I want to tell everybody, if you would like to see us live, and I'm there too, we do some shtick that is not dissimilar to how we are on the podcast. So if you like the podcast, if you like the radio show, and or you like John's music, Go ahead and check us out, teshmusic.com. We will be live, most likely in a city somewhere within an hour drive of you, if you're listening to this right now. So check it out, teshmusic.com. Coming up next, we have a couple of concerts in Denver and Colorado Springs. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, Denver is a really small small gig that's um, a really small venue that is almost sold out. It's a place called The Soiled Dove. Uh, it's a jazz club. Uh, we, you know, we had a choice between Red Rocks and the Soil Dove. We said, let's do a small gig because this is a very different show for us. It's really more of a storyteller's thing. And then the next day, that's October 10th. Now, October 11th, we're in Springs Church, which is this awesome, uh, smaller-ish church, not a mega church, but, uh, love the pastor there. And, um, and we'll be there on the evening of October 11th. Well, I'll tell you why I'm excited to play the Soil Dove because I'm going to get a t-shirt. Yeah, I'm 100% sure, yeah. sure I'm going to be wearing a, a Soil Dove t-shirt after we do that gig. Yeah, you know what we should do, too, is we should, if you guys want to um, send us a message on, on Facebook. Facebook.com slash John Tesh is the best place to reach out to us. Right, and we'll take like the top three or four people, and Gib's going to buy uh, three or four of these uh, Soil Dove t-shirts, Ooh. and then we'll give them away. How about that, Gib? I think that's a great idea. So, once again, if you are listening to this right now, we are getting ready to go to the Soil Dove October uh, October 10th. Is that the Soil Dove? Yes, sir. We will be at the Soil Dove in Denver, Colorado. Uh, all you got to do is let us know at facebook.com slash John Tesh that you listen to the podcast, and I will pick some podcast listeners to win Soiled Dove t-shirts. I'm really hoping, I'm assuming... But if you have a club named the Soil Dove, you've got cool T-shirts. I'm banking on that fact. If not, we'll find something else to give you. And by the way, Gib, I know you, you're a, you're a, you're a kidder. You're a practical joker. It's not okay to leave the T-shirts out so that doves will poop on them before you send them out to the winners. I'm, you know, it's not soiled by doves. It is a soiled <laughs> dove. So the metaphor would would be the wink link there. We should also mention that Gib and I are about, uh, I think it's 1,500 miles away from each other uh, right now. Uh, both doing uh, different businesses, and so if there's a little bit of a delay, please uh, please uh, forgive that as well. But I can uh, see him. I uh, think the, I think your bona fides from broadcasting has you all up in your head about what podcasts should sound like. Listen to th- some of the other podcasts out there. Some of them sound like they're being done at the bottom of a tunnel. That's no excuse to do a bad, to, you know, not to try your hardest. I'm just saying. I think you guys you guys get it. One other thing before we get started on our actual material. Uh, if you would, again, once again, if you'd like to follow up with us in any way, teshmusic.com is the place to come see us live, facebook.com slash John Tesh, but also at tesh.com. Where do we come up with these names for our websites? It's all in John's last name. I know some of you aren't paying attention. <laughs> tesh.com. Sign up for our newsletter. That's where you'll find out about every single podcast that comes out. That's where you'll find out about all of the different concerts that we're getting ready to do, everything that's going on in our universe. 
is right there at Tesh.com and available via the newsletter. And we would like for you guys to uh, use any of those uh, connection points to comment on this piece. And Gib, um, really important to get your, your take on this because I know you you follow the trends in social media. So the, 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 um, there's a problem with Facebook stalking that uh, <laughs> yeah. University of Western Ontario, <laughs> the University of Western Ontario is, uh, has studied this. So they wanted it to find out why it's so hard to resist seeing what our ex is up to on Facebook. So the study from University of Western Ontario found that 88% of Facebook users, they admit spending at least some time, quote unquote, looking at an ex's profile. Uh, 12% they, they, of users are lying, by the way, just right, in case you want to uh, know. Right. Most people say they do it because they're curious to see what an ex is up to. Others say they Facebook stalk because they secretly hope their ex is miserable, miserable without them, which makes so much sense. Uh, look, it, I, I was reading recently uh, an article about uh, about divorce and divorce proofing marriages and, and things. And one of the one of the lines in there from a relationship expert was, "If you wanted to create a divorce machine, you need look no farther than Facebook." Facebook gives us this unprecedented access to people that used to be in our lives, to people that distract us from our current life, and exes are a prime example of that. So we all, we look up, we see what they're doing, we want to see if they're doing okay, we want to see, I know we all want to see if they got fat after they left us. We all want to know that information, and Facebook is this place to get it. The real problem comes in when you start reaching out to them, and uh, like, oh, somebody makes a comment about being in trouble with their spouse, and all of a sudden you follow up with a message, and then all, and then that's how marriages end. It's unbelievable. So when I was um, working in New York, or even you know in Orlando and, and Nashville, especially Nashville, and New York, when I when I was younger, I really wasn't going out all that much. But there's something about being on television. That gives you a little bit more of a of uh, of an entree into a larger pool of dating. So I didn't go crazy dating. You mean being famous is helpful in dating? I'm shocked. <laughs> right, <laughs> almost famous. But so I dated a few people in Nashville, and I dated a few people in New York, and um, I was I was serious on this. You know, people can relate to this. I was serious on and off uh, with a young lady, and um, but but then we would break up, we get back together, break up, and then. And then I would, you know, I'd go out with my friends, right? Uh, my friend Lenny, and we'd have a couple of beers. And then I'd go home, and I'd be sitting there looking at the television set, and I'd be going, "Oh my gosh, I wonder what I wonder what she's doing," you know. And I was like, "Oh, I messed this up." And you can't, you know, with no cell phones, of course, back in you know nineteen seventy seven. So I would, you know, get on my bicycle uh, because I didn't want to get in a cab and oh, circle no. her apart. So I was so sad, man. I would get on my bicycle, and so I lived on one eighty uh, first uh, in Columbus. And she was down at like 54th and 7th or something. And I would ride around the block, you know, stalking. Stalking a brownstone is really just, you can't tell what's going on inside. But that's, yeah. that was my stalking. Well, you bring up a great point there, right? And that is when you were having whatever emotional weirdness made you decide to ride your bicycle around a brownstone. Look, I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm just saying whenever that occurred to you, you had to physically, you had to be so pained inside that you got on your bicycle and you rode over to the brownstone to ride around. The thing with Facebook is I could be sitting on my couch watching the game, load up Facebook on my mobile phone, and boom, I'm stalking my ex with almost no effort. That amount of, and by the way, too, when you're on your bicycle, she can see you. You can get caught. There is a risk element involved. When you're on your phone stalking your ex on Facebook, it is zero risk. So we're all much more inclined to be creepy like you if we are, if we have just that, that ease of ability of, of Facebook. And that is exactly why 88% of Facebook users 
spent some time looking at their ex's profile. I bet you only like 40% of people have driven by their ex's house. Twice that are able to stalk on Facebook. It's that, it's that simple. Well, put a pin in the creepiness thing for a second because I have to come back and tell you why she wouldn't have been able to recognize me on my bicycle. But Dr. Pamela Rutledge is a media psychologist who says we are hardwired to pay attention to other people who have meaning in our lives. She says we want to believe we're valuable and important to others and that nobody can replace us, right? Which is why right. that, makes spot, that makes spying on an ex so compelling, she says, because if we see that our ex is miserable without us, it gives us that, that affirmation. But if our ex is happier now, that there was somebody else. It could be a real blow to our, our ego, again, from Dr. Pamela Rutledge. And so the reason people, people who are uh, my, my girlfriend, uh, could not uh, identify me is that I, in, it, about, I don't know, about six months, I remember this like it was yesterday, about six months earlier, I had done a series for, <laughs> for you know about this, but you don't know that I used it for evil. Uh, I, I did a series about homeless in New York. And so mm. I, we, had the, we had the makeup department uh, make me a beard that went, went like that went around my back of my ears to stay on, and then also you know uh, a, a natty outfit, and uh, or as 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 the kids back then used to call it the, a hobo outfit, yep. um, and then uh, and then like a you know a, a sock cap that kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. I put that stuff on, and that was the person who was riding around um, the neighborhood. It wasn't me; it was that person. Which is seeing seeing a, a dangerous looking. Uh, um, homeless person at six foot six inches tall on a Panasonic 27 inch bicycle uh, circling. I'm really surprised that I'm still not in jail. There is like, there's so much to unpack here. Okay. First of all, I didn't even know Panasonic made bicycles. So we're just going to put a pin in that right now. They were the only ones that made a 27 inch. So there you go. Sorry. Great. Panasonic made 27 inch bicycles. That's incredible, but I'm going to put a pin in that and I'm going to be on Wikipedia later checking out the details of that. But let's also talk about how unbelievable it is that you had a full costume and disguise to stock your ex. I mean, we're making light of this because obviously we know that you're psychologically healthy. You moved on. You've got you got married. You've had a normal life. But that is a very that's a very narrow precipice. You were walking alongside, wearing a disguise outside of your ex's house. Again, I think this is why this may be why Facebook is more valuable because you're able to do that again without a full CBS makeup department at your disposal, which, mo- which most of us don't have. All right. Well, thank you for unpacking it. I mean, I, I, I appreciate I, it. I, I think, I think I'm, I'm, just, I'm just scratching the surface of the unpacking there. There's, there's some stuff in there that we really need to dive into, and I don't know that this is the forum to do that. Maybe talk to your therapist, but that, that, that's, that's some incredible stuff. And again, just underscoring the idea that we do this, we, we look at our exes because, again, we think it we think it makes us feel better it makes us feel better to see if they're doing poorly because we believe that they can't do well without us i on the other hand have incredibly low self-esteem and codependency and therefore i just assume that everybody i've ever dated is way better off without me and uh and 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 stalking them on facebook only confirms that for me so those of you who are are at this moment facebook stalking or you've done this uh, let us know uh, the details, facebook.com slash John Tesh. And, uh, you know, speaking of millennials who have a new way to check out their uh, their exes, um, it, it, we, millennials are now, uh, what is it, 18 to 25? I can't remember, the, the uh, 18 to 32 maybe? Yeah, just younger than you. So 18 to 32 or 33. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, that group now has gone crazy uh, buying homes. SunTrust Mortgage wanted to find out. Now, we had heard before, 
give that there were a lot of people were renting, but now the home sales for millennials are up. So yep. they asked, they, but they, they, and for those of who are buying, they asked first time home buyers what motivated them. And they found that one third, right, of millennials said they were influenced by the need to have space for a dog. In yeah. fact, need, needing room for a dog was the third most commonly cited reason coming above kids and even marriage. How about that? Well, look, here's the deal. Facebook makes it really hard to have a good long-term relationship or to set that foundation, especially in your 20s right now, because of all of the ex-stalking, because of all of the, all of the interconnectivity. It's hard to like, find yourself separate from exes and, and get into a new relationship. So I understand why people are avoiding kids and marriage. Plus, kids are a big commitment. Dogs are like kids without the same level of, of commitment, but a lot of apartments are really anti-dog. And at a certain point, people want that dog run and not every apartment has it. So they're they're putting the, they're saving up for that reason and that reason alone. It's the only thing that makes people stop eating avocado toast is that they want to have a dog run for their dog. They want a yard where the dog can go outside. Yeah, and to your, and to your point, the uh, SunTrust CEO uh, in, the, in the press release said that, you know, not all rentals do allow dogs or have, they have breed or size restrictions. So yep. If you come in with one of those bull mastiffs or a, or what is that thing called? Great a Bernie's, Mer- Bernie's web dog or something. What's that thing? <laughs> Bernie, a web-footed Bernie's mountain dog? Is that what you're talking something. about? Something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that, they're, they're not going to go for that. So you got to buy a house. Yeah, I mean, and look, and, and when you own the house, nobody can tell you that you can't uh, have a dog, unless you live in California, in which case there's a rule about everything and, and you won't be able to have a dog sometimes even if you own your home. But that is a great, I mean, that is a very key element to the to this new generation is this idea of not getting married, not having children, but living as uh, with with your dog as your child is a much is it's a very new concept. In fact, we've talked about on the in the past how our relationship to dog parenting to to dog ownership is a better indicator of relationship success than um than your parenting uh, philosophies. In other words, a lot of people grow up living in rural areas and they believe that their dog is a working animal and a lot of people other people grow up in urban and suburban environments where their dog or cat or whatever is a part of the family and that element whether or not you were raised with a dog as a family member or a dog as a working animal as a part of your as a part of your general life is more indicative of relationship turmoil than even how you're going to view parenting because it is so key. Some pe- if you view your kid, your your dog as a fur baby, as these millennials are doing in, in their choice to buy homes, you are going to be very offended when somebody says the dog lives outside, the dog does not come into the bed, the dog is the dog, the dog is not a family member. That is a bigger sign of emotional of uh, of relationship distress than anything else. So I, it would make sense that with that layer of importance, this is just another example of how important our pets are to us, including that it's making people actually buy houses. So much truth to what you just said, Gib, and I've, I've seen the data on this uh, as well. And it really, uh, I, and I've seen it in my own life. Because, and I think, that, I think that my dad, who um, was a little older than your, um, uh, than your my, my dad's passed away, but I think that he, um, he and your father-in-law uh, probably have the have the same feeling about dogs because oh, my yeah. dad was always the dog should be outside, yep. right? And um, but then you've got uh, you know the rest of the of of your your in laws family who's probably like the dog needs to be on the on the bed. So so I mean and my you know listen my my, my dad he he grew up on on a, you know rural rural North Carolina f- uh, farm and if they're if, if if they were not into animal husbandry at all, it's, I mean, if they're if a no. kit if a if a cat had kittens, they would keep one of the kittens, and all of a sudden the rest of the kittens would be would be missing. And if the dog wasn't doing work, 
and he was eating food off the farm. That, that dog wasn't around much, uh, much, much longer either. So a very different mindset. You're absolutely right. A very different relationship to animals than we than we have now. And I think there's a lot of people who are hearing this and may or may not be very offended by the concept. But we're just going to say this: different time, different scenario. We treat our pets like family too. We get it. But there are people who have farms, and the and and the animals are a part of the work. They are not a part of the family. And and we're seeing that. That shift is happening even more and more towards family with millennials now. Yeah, and case in point, if you if you're wondering what our how our family feels right now uh, about about this thing, we uh, our dog Lucy, who was a, a rescue, ended up getting attacked by three coyotes, and we put her in the hospital, and and we're still pay, paying the twenty three hundred dollar hospital <laughs> bill off. It's, so we're definitely interested in keeping our dog. Hey, she's uh, it's 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 uh, Steve. Uh, What's his name? It's the $6 million dog. She's, yeah, we can yeah, rebuild Austin, her. We yeah. have the technology. Steve Austin, there it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so back to millennials and, uh, and homes and why they're, why they're buying them. The other thing that's happening is that, is that, and I've seen this actually in hotels, and you have too because we travel so much, is that and it's, it's taken, I mean, like maybe a century. <laughs> There's definitely decades for the toilet to change, but it's been changing. So North America right now, according to the data, data we have uh, from Kohler, the kitchen uh, fixture company, they're seeing an, influ- an influx, uh, U.S. and Canada, of high-tech toilets. So right. now here are some of the features. And, and remind me if you've seen some of these when we've traveled in New York. So noise muffling, odor control, heated seats, music playing speakers in the toilet uh, and seat, and Internet connectivity for voice commands and built-in bidets. So these these are all this is what people are asking for now when they when they're putting together new building new homes or replacing their toilets, very popular in hotels. Yeah. So I have a pro I mean look, I think these features are great. I think it's about time we added something to our toilets. They they're I, I, the idea of noise canceling and odor reducing, great. I don't know that I need the speakers, but whatever. You once you've electrified the toilet seat, you might as well make it sing songs to you. My it issue better have, is this. It better, it better have a subwoofer if it's got speakers. <laughs> hey My issue is this. I do tech support for a lot of people in my life. I have to help them redo their phones, reboot oh, their phones, reset their wireless routers. If I have to go into the bathroom and fix their toilet seats, I'm not okay with that. So I, I do not want, I don't want my mom. I don't want my kids. I don't want anybody in my life having these toilets. Now, I like the concept. I get it. But you, you have to make sure that you are comfortable fixing your own tech if you're going to get one of these. And that goes double for my mom. <laughs> you know, and I can just see because I, you know, you, you give us definitely tech support for, uh, for, for Connie Selica, my wife, his, his mom. And I can just see you getting a text from her saying, Gib, can you log in remotely and reboot the toilet seat? <laughs> That's not, it's not at all what would happen. I would get a text that says, Gib, bathroom. And that's it. That's all it would say. Gib, bathroom. And I would have to go in there and deal with whatever was going on in the toilet. And I am not trained as a plumber. Uh, I am not prepared for the amount of professionalism required to handle that. I, I, am, uh, I am a child in that department still. So that would be a, that would be a big no-no for me. Well, and these days, whenever I'm choosing an appliance, I'm thinking, okay, so what happens when, when the power goes out? And I can only imagine what, I mean, are you trapped in the bathroom? Is, is the bidet locked on high? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, a power surge all of a sudden. Uh, this is it's no longer a toilet. It's a, uh, it's a water feature inside of your bathroom. <laughs> hey, I want to remind people uh, as we continue here that, uh, that Gib and I, and you got to see Gib live. He's, he's, 
his comedy opening up of our concerts is really a lot of fun and, and, and really involves the um, the audience a lot, which the audience really, really digs. And then he plays uh, ukulele and sings with us. And, and it's, it's a, our concert dates now are not, we, we just don't show up and, and play like 14, 15 songs and then move on and goes, and next it's uh we'll, we'll stay as long as you want us to stay and we're playing venues that are anywhere from 400 seats to you know two three thousand and so uh, coming up october 10th and uh, even if you're not in the area please uh please text your family members because we'd love to see them as well october 10th we'll be at the soil dub which is a jazz club in denver and then the next night we'll be at, at, at a church uh which is sort of like our life right uh we're just yeah. all over everywhere springs church on october 11th in colorado springs which is uh, which is an awesome area, and uh, you can get tickets at testmusic.com. John is is being a little is being a little humble about this, but uh, one of the things you need to know is that, like he said, it's not just playing songs. If you like the radio show, if you like the podcast, if you like the storytelling behind all of that, it is it is the history of his career, but also it's a journey that he's been going through in front of a lot of you guys. The the cancer journey he's been on for the last few years, and and how that has how that has affected his outlook on life, how that has affected his outlook on faith. All of that is woven into the story of him writing the songs that were part of the sports broadcast he used to do that are part of, uh, that are part of his, his very long and story music career. So it's a very exciting, very interesting. Uh, does it, I don't know if anybody remembers VH1 storytellers. It's very similar to that um, with an emphasis with, with multimedia stories. It's like a TED talk meets VH1 storytellers meets, uh, meets Red Rocks. Wow, I wish I had said. Wish I had said that. I should have said because people are interviewing me, asking what's the show about. I never came up with with anything. Oh, Look, also, it, like after these uh, these shows in uh, in Colorado, we're going to be uh, in the middle of November. We'll be all over Florida, um, all so over check, Florida. Yeah, so check out uh, teshmusic dot com. Give. I want to. I want to move on and talk about something that's going to be a conversation for uh, for people who are listening and also their grandparents and and great grandparents. Do you remember? I mean, you you study all this the, the baby boomer stuff anyway. Do you remember um, Pyrex cookware? Of course. Yeah. So it's the it's it's vintage Pyrex cookware now and tableware is selling for up to one thousand eight hundred dollars online. Stop. So even I know even single bowls and I, you know my mom's stuff must be somewhere. Uh, it, it, even uh, single bowls are going for nine hundred dollars in a single Pyrex mug. Just went for seven hundred dollars on on Etsy. So people are looking for vintage Pyrex, and it's it's opaque, brightly colored, often features uh, you know floral like my mom's floral and geometric uh, designs, and uh, a lot of it's in primary colors. And you can also find bird motif snowflake patterns. It could be up to one hundred years old. So people are now are now digging into their cupboards and their and their their storage units trying to find this Pyrex stuff because it has really become valuable. I, I mean, I really feel like Pyrex needs to jump on this bandwagon and start reprinting some of those old school motifs. I think this is also the, that whole vintage, uh, that kitschy concept that is so it's so it's so big with the hipsters now. This kitsch stuff is is huge. They need to they need to be uh, capitalizing on it. Look, if you're able to buy used cookware for nine hundred dollars and you're a cookware manufacturer that can make that for what nine dollars. Sell it for two hundred and pass the savings on to your to your clients, and you've just yeah. made a fortune. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you want to see what's out there, Pyrex wise, um, if you want to see what vintage Pyrex looks like, there are so many Facebook groups now. Uh, you just hashtag Pyrex Junkie on Instagram, and there are twelve thousand posts. And 
and again, this stuff, Pyrex is known for its durability and longevity and, and just sort of the, uh, you know, historic factor. But, but here's one more part to this. And I hadn't talked to you about this before the show, but I was just Googling Pyrex. So one of the most popular ideas, and I know you follow, because uh, you, you and I have a couple of tattoos, um, mm-hmm. you follow the tattoo trends. But if you, if, if you search Pyrex tattoo on Pinterest, people are getting the original Pyrex designs as tattoos now. I've seen that. I've seen it. it's that, that weird, like, uh, modeled uh, argyle, that, like, kind of argyle yep. uh, yep. geometric pattern. I've seen people get those tattoos. Um I think that's a strange thing to get as a tattoo, but clearly Pyrex is built into our collective unconscious in a way that I had no idea about. So so good on you if you're getting that. Again, Pyrex, makers of Pyrex, get on this. People are, if, if, if there's this much brand loyalty, you're missing a whole swath of the market. I'll tell you what, send me some Pyrex stuff. I'll paint birds on it, sell it for $900. It's that, done. I'm always fascinated by the clothing trends and the latest one that we have um, from the fashion search engine list, L-Y-S-T. And this, this sounds like it was already happening, but apparently for a fall, women's leggings are even bigger than they were like two years ago. Retailers say, quote, possible. unquote, they're selling like hotcakes. Have you seen more of this? I, I don't know how it's possible to see more leggings at this point. I, their leggings are everywhere, and it's, it's, it, transcends, it transcends age and socioeconomic class and body type. I, mean, I was just on an airplane. Literally, literally every single woman that I saw was wearing leggings from, from 8 years old to 80. They all, had, they all had yoga pants or some iteration of leggings on. Uh, I don't know how there are going to be more leggings sold, except maybe there's just going to be leggings for different occasions. Maybe that's the deal. Now there are formal wear leggings and casual leggings. We won't be able to tell the difference, you and I, but they will know the difference because, oh, no, there's a stitching pattern on the side seam. That's how you know those are your black tie leggings versus your casual going to get coffee leggings. Yeah, to your point, you know, part of this press release is that even high-end brands like Gucci and Dolce & Gabbana are, uh, are showing leggings. And uh, where is the number here? It was They say that uh, there is a company, an online store called ASOS, A-S-O-S. They say that over 1,000 styles of leggings are on the site, and they've already sold 95% more leggings this year compared to, to last year. Uh, I don't know say how that's that, possible. They say that leggings are currently its most searched-for items uh, worldwide registering 430,000 searches a month for the word leggings. And the other thing is, and this is it's so wild that it ha- I never thought it would happen to me, but uh, List, the fashion search engine, said in the last month alone, searches for the word meggings, as in leggings for men, have increased dramatically. And what's my new uniform? You wear leggings with shorts over them and a, and a workout T-shirt. Literally, this is not hyperbole, literally every single day you are wearing the, that. That's your outfit. That is your go-to outfit. And look, I get it. Leggings are comfortable. If we were going to have a functional and uh, stylish fashion trend, I'm glad that it's leggings because it's super comfy. It holds everything in place. It keeps your keeps your circulation going when you're on a when it keeps you from getting deep vein thrombosis when you're when you're flying. If you have bad circulation, I'm a big fan of leggings. Uh, I understand the appeal. I just can't imagine how there are more people that are buying leggings. Did you not have leggings already, or are you buying backup pairs because your earlier leggings wore out? I want to know. Facebook.com slash John Tesh. Let us know why you keep buying more leggings. 
Yeah, and I'm, I, I've got like uh, like five pair, and I just I just rotate them. And I think for for me, the it, the reason I like them is first of all, I don't have to make a decision as to what I'm going to wear every day. Um, and then the the other thing is when you're on the road. You just wash them out in the sink, right? <laughs> I sound like such a girl right now. And and then the other thing is that um, I, I feel like I, when I work out, I, I feel like it gives me more buoyancy in my, uh, in, in my body. Sure. Does that make any sense? It absolutely does. I mean, a lot of basketball players wear compression pants for that reason. It, it makes your legs feel stronger and more reactive. I understand that. I just would really... You're not a teenager backpacking in Europe. Can you stop washing your clothes in the sink and just bring a couple extra pair with you? Can we just embrace adulthood? As a, can we just make that as a rule? How much are you tipping the maids at the hotels we're staying in? It better be a lot. I'm just saying, with the legging wash line going on in there, I, I feel like you owe them a little bit of well, you extra. Have to, you also have to travel a good, a good blow dryer because I'm not in a hotel long enough. You and I are not for it to sort of dry, you know, hanging. But I got, I got this idea when I was... I was reading an article in, in uh, Vanity Fair about uh, one of my favorite actors, Willem Dafoe. He said that his favorite thing to do in life is to go to the laundromat and wash clothes and watch him go, go around. I'm thinking, that's a cool guy right there. Well, he could call that character research, right? He's going and he's looking at the characters that hang out in a laundromat, and he's finding truth that he can bring to the characters that he plays. I don't. Is that what, is that what you're doing? You're you're destroying hotel rooms with your legging laundromat yeah. in order to in order to gain insight into intelligence for your life. <laughs> hey, Gib, we have time for one more piece here as we uh, as, as we start to wrap things up on today's podcast, and it's about what's going on with um, you know a big business for destinations. What and and you know Vegas has always been a destination for bachelor and bachelorette parties and even weddings, of course. Uh, Nashville is like I think Nashville is now the number one. I was just there recently, and they said that they are they're proud they're number one destination for bachelorette parties because people just saw you know the series national on on tv but uh there are a lot of uh resorts and high-end hotels that are now saying no these are these are wineries and spas and high-end hotels that are saying they have had it no more bachelorette parties they're quoted as saying they're sick of noisy groups of bridal parties in tiaras with their quote-unquote bride squads they say the money has always been good but because of the serious binge drinking and displays of drama they're done with this they say it's gotten to the point where it's driving other guests away. Is, and isn't this why they're not mentioning guys, but they're mentioning the uh, the brides and their squads? Well, look, guys, believe it or not, guys go out enough. There's like a certain, I, I don't know what it is. Bachelor parties are great fun, but and, 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 and you tie one on. But guys don't get the amount of license that women leading up to their wedding believe that they have. Interesting. The bridezilla concept is taken into the bachelorette party. This That level of, and I understand it is a very important time. It is a very important day in the bride's life. But the groom doesn't feel that amount of license over his life. It's a different experience for the groom to be going out to the bachelor party. And by the way, there are, there, if you, the really wild bachelor parties have fixed locations. They're not going to wineries and then turning up. They're going somewhere else. But the bottom line here is that that licensing effect that bachelorettes feel is exactly what they are rejecting at some of these nicer places where they just say, look, we get it. It's your special day, but I can't have you with your drama and your loudness ruining this Merlot tasting that we're doing here at the you know uh, Center Family Winery in in Napa. They just they, nobody wants that around. I totally get that. And by the way, I have been in men's. I've been in in uh, wedding parties and on the. I've been a groomsman and a best man for people. It's a great amount of fun. Yes, it's expensive. 
but it is nothing compared to what you go through when you are a, uh, when you are a part of a uh, of a of a bridal party. What the women go through, it is it is next level insanity. The amount of commitment expected by the bride is so much higher than what the the grooms expect. You, you get you get like a cheap watch and a flask, and you uh, you know on the day of you hang out with him and you make sure he doesn't you know he gets dressed on time. That's all you have to do when you're a groomsman. A bachelorette has to make sure that everything is lined up perfectly. That all of the like I mean even just even getting dressed in a wedding dress is ridiculous. There's there's beads and there's hooks and there's you know, catches and everything. You got to be, you got to be in charge of all that stuff. That is not something that guys have to deal with. So I totally understand. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm just saying brides are a lot more high maintenance leading up to the day than the grooms are. And, and it, and it shows in how they party. Yeah. The hotel general managers uh, and the managers of the spas are saying that the madness is driving other guests away. And, and they're saying it uh, in the report here, New York times are saying that some establishments, they they'll still allow bachelorette parties but they have new rules and you have to sign a contract. So they yes. for, they're forbidding things like uh, veils, tiaras, crowns, oversized balloons, inflatable objects, use your imagination, or any yep. other, quote, paraphernalia. So, for example, uh, a popular vineyard in central Illinois, they had to lay down the law and they will not allow any, quote, displays of adult gag gifts. So there you go. Good. Good. Here's the other thing. When guys go out for their bachelor party, they go to bars, nightclubs, or they go out into the woods. We go places that are, if you're going to get crazy, it's fine to get crazy. For some reason, these bachelorette parties, they want to go to like classy places and then get crazy. That's the problem. You can't go to like a, a family gastro pub and then turn up with your girls. You can't go to a family winery and, and, and get your drink on and get a little edgy. That's not okay. When the guys go out, they go out to places where you go out. These bachelorette parties are going to like you know uh, nice places and getting and getting strange, and that therein lies the problem. I, I I feel very strongly about this. I agree with how the hotels are and and how the venues are dealing with it. I'm a fan. So the journalist on this piece is saying that it's become quote unquote the bridesmaids effect, and it was uh, and and one of the big encouragers is the uh, raunchy movie starring Kristen Wiig. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, what was that movie called? Uh, I think it was called Bridesmaids. Or something. Yeah, there you go, Bridesmaids. Yeah, yeah. that is exactly right. Um, and and you know what? More power to these places that are that are no longer allowing it. So that's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, again, I'm Gib Gerard alongside John Tesh. If you like this podcast. Please tell us, facebook.com slash John Tesh. If you want to see us live, it's teshmusic.com, T-E-S-H. Also, if you want to sign up for our newsletter, it's T-E-S-H.com. Anytime you want to talk to us, it's facebook.com slash John Tesh, at John Tesh on Twitter, or at John Tesh underscore I-F-Y-L on Instagram. I am Gib Gerard, at Gib Gerard on all the social media networks. Also, facebook.com slash Gib Gerard. If you like the show, be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, if you don't like it, just don't say anything. I don't know why you're still listening. At this point, you should have been over it by now. Uh, but more than anything else, thank you guys for listening. You are the reason that we get to do this. Gib, I'll see you in Denver. All right. <laughs>